And this is the most serious question I've ever asked on this podcast. Right off the top, top three wrestler slash rap artist. And I'll make the caveat. If it is not Macho Man, Macho Man, and John Cena, <laughs> you have an incorrect top three. Yeah, that was all I had. Who would have the worst one? Ooh, it pains me to say this because we are coworkers. And I'm only throwing this name out here because he's the last person on the planet I would ever want to hear rap. Uh, I would say Tony Schiavone. I just, I don't, <laughs> I, don't I, I don't think he has any flow. Sorry, Tony, but you, you, you're the worst rapper in the wrestling game. Let me throw this out there. What about Hulk Hogan? Because he's going to be dropping the N-word on every track. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I got no comment. I got no comment. I have so many jokes right now. I don't know if any of them are appropriate. I don't know if I'm allowed to make some of those jokes. I think just saying the word Hulk Hogan is a big enough punchline. <laughs> All right. You know who's not bad at... Well, well, he's fine. You know who's not bad at rapping is Macho Man. <laughs> and that is who we are talking about today. Macho Man Part 4. This is Tim Bell Pod. Season 4 finale. Part 4 of Macho Man Randy Savage. I'm Nick, and it's the end of the season, so I am so goddamn tired. I am joined by Tyler Wood. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we are, of course, here with Camping Power, Too Sweet to Be Sour, Intense and Intense, The Forest is the Limit, Space is the Place, The Man Scout Jake Batting. Also, a man who will be camping on your couch for a day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's not forget about that. Uh, it may not be the most uh, sizzly and sensational intro, but yes, a man who will be sleeping on your couch for a couple of nights, and I appreciate that so much. No uh, make sure you check out Wrestling Pro Wrestling. I'm sure this will be out before then. So, yeah. Wrestling Pro Wrestling, February 9th. <laughs> when we last left off, Macho Man had taken some time away from WCW as they like hammered out the contract negotiations. They finally figured it out, and he was back in WCW January 20th, 1997, on an episode of Nitro. This episode starts with Randy hopping over a guardrail. He sits a chair in the middle of the ring. He hijacks the show. He tells Eric Bischoff to kiss his ass, which I believe was the original Slim Jim slogan. <laughs> Snap into it. Oh, I want to say kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, Randy, they're trying to get people to... Eat Slim Jim, not remind people that Slim Jim tastes like an asshole. Like, <laughs> we kind of don't want that. Slim Jim, kiss my ass! Like, <laughs> Randy, I, I, can, we, can we try a different take? Can we just do it my way first? Can we do it my way? Chavo Guerrero Jr. and Max with two X's. They were supposed to have a match, but they get beat up by Macho. The crowd is popping for all of this. A bunch of people come down to get Macho out, but Sting is finally the guy who gets Macho out of the ring as he repels down from the sky. As he does at most bars that they're out at. You know, Sting is always <laughs> the guy that will pull you out of a bar in case you've had too much to drink and you just get a little, little carried away. Sting will always be the person that's like, hey man, it's, it's time to go home. It's like, hey buddy, I can give you a ride. He swoops down, grabs him, whoop, back up. <laughs> back up. <laughs> 
Savage appeared with Sting over the next couple of weeks at, on Nitros as free agents, but at Super Brawl 7, February 23rd, 97, Randy signed with the team. In the main event, Hollywood Hogan was facing Roddy Piper, who had spent the weekend at Alcatraz. This is that whole thing. Fuck you. I love this. You I do too. I do too. I, li- I liked it. <laughs> I love it too. It's, it, was, it was fucking cool. It's pro wrestling. And how do you get ready for a big world title fight? You spend the night in Alcatraz to make yourself tough. <laughs> if it's a cage match, it makes sense. Because you got to escape from Alcatraz. Oh, Tyler, I wish you were just a little bit older so you could have lived the days of Death Valley Driver message boards because <laughs> you just, you would have got so many likes on that one saying, well, you know, it was a cage match. Staying at Alcatraz would have made more sense, but he really <laughs> didn't have a good win-loss record to even be in the title picture. So, yeah. <laughs> Are you mocking your boss right now? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I am. <laughs> Maybe I am. <laughs> You'll never know. You'll never know. Nobody'll know. Dude, he's tweeting about it. <laughs> I know, and it's 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 glorious and scary at the same time. <laughs> so this match is just a clusterfuck of an ending. If you remember this, explain this to me. So Piper had put Hogan out with the sleeper for the win. But then after the match, Hogan at lost. Macho Man comes down. He he puts Hogan's feet under the ropes, and for some reason, the ref restarts the match, even though Hogan's feet were nowhere near the ropes when the match was called. It's like scoring a touchdown and running through the back of the end zone and being like, "You're out of bounds now." It, it doesn't count. Like it doesn't make any goddamn sense. No, no, what it's like though. It's like Patrick Mahomes throwing it past to Travis Kelsey, then Travis Kelsey lateraling it back to Kadarius Tony and running in for a touchdown. And they put their hands up for the touchdown. Then all of a sudden they go, oh, Kadarius Tony was offside. Because that shit happens in real sports, Nicholas, okay? <laughs> like, we can, we can solve all this whole Coke and WCW booking away by just looking at the NFL. The NFL has been stealing stuff from WCW booking. <laughs> you can see it right now. Look at these referees. They are no different than Charles Robinson, Nick Patrick, and a lot of them. I, I'm telling you. The NFL has a script. It was leaked. I already know it's going to be the 49ers versus the Ravens, okay? You can see it in the graphic design because they have the purple and then they have the red. Everybody knows it's them, much like every other year it's been like that. What I'm saying is it happens in quote-unquote real sports too, Nicholas, okay? (laughs) Randy gave Hulk some brass knuckles. He hits Roddy with them, and uh, Hulk gets the win on the restart. And what all this signifies is that Macho Man is officially NWO. The night after Macho had turned on WCW and Piper, on Nitro, Macho's first act as an NWO member was attacking DDP during his match to kick off a feud between the two. The NWO had attempted to recruit DDP, who had always turned them down and gotten himself over pretty good because of it. There's that big diamond cutter swerve with Scott Hall. And while this is a passing feud for Randy Savage, who had done everything in wrestling twice by this point, this is a huge, huge feud and huge moment for DDP, and definitely the best thing going on WCW at the time. This is the thing that got Diamond Dallas Page from being the guy who would be on WCW Saturday night, wrestling the booty man before a pay-per-view or the opening match, wrestling Johnny B. Bad. This is the thing that all of a sudden now it's like he could be a main event guy because whatever reason, 
other than just maybe just trying to prove that he can still get people over or prove to people that he is just as good as he's always ever been. And Macho Man just decided, I'm going to make this not just good, but great. And a magical performer like Macho Man has the ability to, to do that. But it does take some like a good dance partner. I'm sure Macho Man would have loved to have done this particular run with Crush in WWF in the mid-90s, but nobody really could believe it because, well, I don't think I'm being disrespectful, but Crush is not Diamond Dallas Page. And Diamond Dallas Page is special, and I grew up a big fan of him. No matter how many times that my high school football coach would refer to Diamond Dallas Page DDP as Diamond Dallas Pussy, um, <laughs> I still take umbrage with that coach back. Diamond Dallas Page is the man, and very flexible from what I hear. Can he suck his own dick? Uh, maybe. <laughs> just saying, there's a connection there. It's like, oh, you remind me of my brother. You're very, very limber. Seems like you can stretch out a little bit. Let's go in the shower. I got to see something first. I wonder if Randy had a soft spot for him because he had basically been forced out of WWF for being too old and everyone was like harping on how old DDP was as a rookie because he started so late. I wonder if he like kind of saw that and was like, I'll help this old fuck out. Uh, maybe, but also too, uh, as much as I love and respect Diamond Dallas Page for a lot of reasons, I also hate the fact that he is given too many 30 and 40 year old men hope <laughs> i can't tell you how many 30 and 40 year old men come into a wrestling school i'm like you know i just want to give it a shot you know before i just want to give everything got and diamond dallas page has really been an inspiration to me and i always want to be like stop anytime i see an old man that says he wants to sign up for classes i'm just like if you say diamond dallas page i'm gonna hear a matsuda you i'm a four-year-old man and i'm trying to find the door out like <laughs> really what, what are you what are you doing here they don't even have the charisma to rival DDP either, do they? They're coming in like, couldn't even be a manager. <laughs> Might not be able to suck their own dick, too. I don't know. Like I, like I said, I, I don't know if DDP is that flexible or not. We, I, I'll ask him next time I see him. Or let me, let me text QT Marshall right now. He's not doing anything. So. <laughs> uh, was that meant to be a burn? No, I love QT, actually. <laughs> I, 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 as soon as I found out he wasn't going to be with us anymore, I immediately texted him and told him thank you because I wouldn't have a job without him. So the same Nitro that the DDP feud kicked off, another really kind of a, well, important is a strong word, but kind of cool thing that happened was as he was now in NWO, he reunited with Liz, who was also in the NWO, far from getting back together in real life, but on screen, you know, wrestling's first power couple was back. The DDP macho feud gets some heat under it at 97 Uncensored. DDP is cutting a promo on Savage when Randy shows up and tells the world that Paige's wife Kimberly was in Playboy. Tyler, they used to make porn out of paper. It was this whole thing. Oh, that sounds gross. And you'd find it in the woods somewhere. That was the even weirder thing. Or you'd find it like you had to go digging through trash and woods and abandoned buildings to find porn. That was like the only place it existed. Unless you wanted to be a real deviant and paid for it at a gas station. Like, (laughs) gross. If the North Carolina legislature has a goddamn thing to do with it, I'm going to have to go back to buying porn at gas stations. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I heard about that. What? Uh, What's happening? I have to put my driver's license into Pornhub if I want to watch Pornhub. Like, they require a verification of your identity and your age now. I'm like, that's not how porn's meant to be. What the fuck? I know. I mean, to be fair, it's only like the one, it's like 
Hornhub and MyFreeCams are the two, not to get into my habits, Hornhub and its affiliates and like the ones that are trying their best to be like legitimate businesses are the only ones that are like, yeah, you need to show us your driver's license. Everybody else is like, we don't care where you're coming from, (laughs) where you're coming. Uh, We just (laughs) care that you're here and you're going to watch this unskippable. uh, When you try to watch this one niche video, it's going to pop up five times and get us five ad views. This uh, DDP promo ends with revealing that they had spray painted Kimberly, which is, you know, it's not, not nice. Then Macho attacks Dallas. Later that night, Randy would roll with NWO in that triangle elimination match that we talked about, uh, I think during Scott Hall's episode. Dennis Rodman is there. He gives Randy a can of spray paint who bonks Luger with it. And, you know, the, the bad guys win. Boo. The Nitro after Uncensored, Dallas officially challenged Randy, who officially accepts. And now on the bill to Spring Stampede, DDP took a beatdown from the NWO. But as the match was made official, you know, DDP's pumped to work Randy Savage in the main event. But what he didn't expect was Macho Man wanting to put him all the way over. Arn Anderson, who was agiting, 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 <laughs> He was a producer. <laughs> just fucking say that. Don't stumble around. Just say producer. All right. It's right there. I see why they changed it now. <laughs> For dumb fucks on podcasts. That's exactly <laughs> why they changed it. Art Anderson was gathering information about the outcome of the match when Randy was like, I feel like taking the diamond. That's not a good impression. I feel like taking the diamond cutter uh, tonight. And that really like shocked DDP. After a 15-minute no-DQ match fighting all over the arena, they bitch-slap Dave Penzer. There's a ref beating. Macho Man eats a diamond cutter as ref replacement Nick Patrick makes the count and gives Diamond Dallas Page a main event win over Macho Man Randy Savage. Like I said, this is the thing that legitimizes Diamond Dallas Page. And, I mean, like, you need to do this in wrestling. When you have your spot solidified, you gotta, like... Look for those people that need that hand to kind of pull them up to the level you're at. And you do it by taking losses. Oh, granted, it's kind, of, it's kind of got to make sense or else you're just taking losses and it doesn't mean anything. And you don't have to, like, lose to them a bunch. But, you know, recognizing talent and, and bringing it up to a higher level so that way you have more higher level talent that could challenge in a main event for the world title. And... The more world title, more main eventers you can create, the more interesting storylines could be. So it's not like, well, these are our four main eventers and we just got to rotate those people challenging around. Like, no, like bring people up from the mid card and people that are really getting a response or just on the verge and they just need that big win. They need that hot angle. They need something for them to really sink their teeth into and have all their emotions be validated usually with a win over the bad guy. As the feud continued, Randy heavily implied that he had sexual intercourse with Kimberly, which was probably nice for him to be like on the other side of a I want to bang your wife feud. It's like, you know, he's <laughs> never done that. Do you seduce your girlfriend like this, Nicholas? Like, it's like, I, I want to do heavily in intercourse with you. Like, <laughs> like, you just... Very Hank Hill. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, just very like... The way you say it makes me feel like you have said it whisperingly (laughs) to somebody before in the bedroom that you're recording in right now. I refuse to think Nick has ever had sex. Wow. (laughs) I I have done it before. 
There you. That's my evidence (laughs) right there. (laughs) There were some more NWO fights again, and they uh, took their beef into Great American Bash June 15th. Another crazy fighting across the arena match. There's a Scott Hall run in, which helps Macho get the win. Then it's 97 Bash at the Beach, where Randy and Scott Hall took on DDP and mystery partner Kurt Henning. But the build to this match would give us another all-time great DDP and WCW moment on July 7th, 97's Nitro, when Randy took on La Parca. Only it wasn't La Parca. It was DDP under a mask who gives Macho a diamond cutter. Big, cool moment. I think they were smart. They didn't have... When he was in the La Parca outfit, didn't do too much. Like, just did enough. They're like, oh, that's La Parca. Or, eh, La Parca looks a little lethargic right now. Or La Parca's just not the way. It was believable enough that you didn't let the La Parca sham go on long enough for you to go, oh, that's not La Parca. But, yeah, it was cool as shit. What is La Parca doing? A fucking downward dog right now. <laughs> yeah. It's very limber. Very limber. Why is he sucking his own dick? Oh, shit. No. That's DDP and or Laney Papo. He's under contract right now. Nick, shame on you. That's a downward perro. Uh, uh, for, okay, I got it. <laughs> at Bash at the Beach, there would be more trickery as Mr. Perfect turned on DDP to give Randy and Scott Hall the win. Following, DDP goes off for a run with Kurt while Macho Man loses to the Giant at Road Wild. And while, like, the real greatness of the DDP Macho Man feud was done with their first, like, two singles matches, arguably, they did milk it two more times. Fall Brawl, Savage and Hall lost to Paige and Luger. And then the feud ended in a Las Vegas death match, October 26th at Halloween Havoc, which. Savage won after fake sting, which was Hulk Hogan, hits DDP with a baseball bat. Macho kind of wins the feud on paper, but being that close to Macho for so long had made DDP a star. This won feud of the year from Pro Wrestling Insider over Brett Austin. Dallas even called Macho Man on Thanksgiving to thank him for all of this, which Randy was super touched by. Jake, has a, another wrestler ever told you thank you for any reason? <laughs> doesn't seem like a thing they do no not really like especially when i also give them like free shirts or a hoodie because they're cold i don't get a lot of thank yous that way no no wrestler ever has ever told me thank you uh now now that you made me think about it i got really depressed all of a sudden i'm sorry the the only person's ever told me thank you is tony shivani and i just blasted him on the cold (laughs) open of the show so i'm a very lonely man wrapping up 97 randy was part of world war three won by scott hall at Starcade, Randy, Scott Norton, and Vincent beat the Steiners with Ray Trailer. He then went into 98 feuding with Luger. He lost a match to him at Sold Out and then again at Super Brawl in February. Then Randy was back in the world title scene. To uh, fill in some gaps here, you know, Starcade 97, that Sting, that's Hulk with the meh kind of payoff, not only showing that WCW did not really put it into NWO, but that show was going to keep going. Also, you see from that Starcade, Randy's Starcade match, that now you're getting into like the Scott Nortons and the Vincents of the world. Nothing wrong with either guy, but now you're seeing like NWO is swelling to the size of an NFL team. So, really, the only story you have there is for them to start turning on each other. That takes us to uh, Super Brawl 8. Hogan was having a match with Sting for the vacant title when there's a big NWO run in. But Macho hits the ring, and instead of attacking Sting, he decks Hogan with a loaded fist, and Sting gets the cover and the win. 
which I've never been happy with Eric Bischoff or even Hulk Hogan's explanation why we couldn't just give Sting the belt at Starcade. Regardless of what's going, just let him get the cleanest of wins, and then we'll sort it out later through TV. But nobody ever remembers this Super Bowl match where you just ended up giving Sting's belt the any- anyways. And that's the other thing that falls apart when you're like, well, you know, Sting's head wasn't really in the game at Starcade 97. But three months later, he's fine. Great. Let's give him the world <laughs> title. Good to go. Like, what the fuck? It kind of seems like you were fine with it doing then, but now it's just like that magic of Sting winning the world title and vanquishing the NWO is gone. Where I feel like if you do this macho turn, get Sting a classic one, two, three, and then we have all these questions of what's going on with macho and Hulk, that that's a compelling story right there, which you got to later, but that could have been a nice little cover to it all. And then you could add what ended up happening off of this angle as well too. But yeah, just... It's frustrating. Very, very frustrating. But at the same time, too, I could go right on Twitter and they could say the same thing about the place I work. So what the fuck do I know? (laughs) Macho is still technically NWO. He just has beef with Hogan at this point. Add to that, X-Pac went back to WWF. Scott Hall is in rehab. So that left Hogan and Nash fighting over power of the NWO. That leads to a NWO civil war, obviously with Hogan leading the Confederacy and the formation of Nash leading the Wolfpack, which Macho Man would be a part of, uh, getting a tiny bit ahead of ourselves, but that's what's happening here. So Macho Man is Ulysses S. Grant? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> he, <laughs> he doesn't drink right. enough. <laughs> he doesn't drink enough. <laughs> Hogan and Savage faced each other in a steel cage match at March 98's Uncensored. The highlight of this match is Randy coming off the top of the cage with a axe handle. And I know I don't have to explain this because it's an NWO match, but tons of fuckery, run-ins, Sting comes down for the ceiling, Macho turns on Sting, and this match ends in a no contest. Fuck them fans. Savage would then face Sting for the world title at Spring Stampede. There's a Liz bump, a ref bump, a Hogan run-in, but most importantly, a Nash run-in who jackknifes Sting, throws Savage on top of Sting, and we have a new world champion. Hold on. We have a Nash walk-in. Okay, I love Kev, <laughs> but it's a fucking walk-in, all right? A strut-in, stroll-in, any one of those would have been acceptable, but run-in, mm, hold on. Was there any point at this time where there was not a world title match that did not have fuckery at the end of it with nwo absolutely not oh with this time in wcw i couldn't fucking tell you i'd already switched over to wwf this time (laughs) so while he did win the world championship macho had also torn his acl and a torn acl is a brutal injury for like a 21 year old point guard who gets like boston scientific robotic surgery But Macho is well into his 40s. In the 1990s, I'm pretty sure they were doing surgery with stolen tools. Well, let me attest as a 30-year-old man that tore his ACL and still has never had it fixed 10 years later. It's not fun. There are certain things that I I cannot do. And luckily, I'm very good at recognizing what I'm not good at and don't do it. But I'm just waiting for that day that I have a vicious incident and my lower part of my (laughs) leg is over on the other side because I have no... ACL to support me. Is that why you walk like that? Yeah. Yeah. 
like a broken down wrestler. Like my, my hips hurt and my back hurts and everything else. And I'm compensating for the fact that like my knee is fucked up. Yes, Tyler. Thank you for making fun of it on a podcast. Appreciate it. If you've ever right seen now. a three-legged dog, then you've seen me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> song was written about me. That will be played at my funeral while my ashes are, are spread on Air Conditioner Hill on my family's farm. So that uh, an Alkaline Trio song. Take your pick. They're all great. While Randy would have runs, even kind of long ones here or there, this more or less ends Randy's career as like a full-time pro wrestler, and it would for sure change his style for the few matches he does have after this. The following night on Nitro, Randy faced Hogan for the title. Big shock. Hogan wins after some Bret Hart interference, and maybe this was the plan all along, but Macho pretty much has to drop the belt here because of his fucked up knee. Despite having a season and or career-ending injury, Macho pushed through for a while. May 4th, 98, Nitro, the Wolfpack was officially formed. And also, as I just mentioned, we're getting into the Bret Hart era of WCW and WO, which gave us such iconic moments as... At Slebbery, May 17th, Savage lost to Hart via submission. On June 14th, Great American Batch, Randy teamed up with Piper, lost to Hogan and Hart by submission. He also lost a quick match after to Piper, which was weird. But after the next night's Nitro, he was gone. He uh, took a hiatus to have, I think, three major knee surgeries. Randy popped into a December 28th Nitro to officially quit NWO by screwing over the Giant. But from there, he wouldn't be back until April of 99 taking roughly 10 months off, definitely the longest he had been away from wrestling since he was a baseball player. Yeah, and you kind of forget about Macho Man like this time. It's weird. And when he comes back, he's like a completely almost early 2000-ish version of what the Macho Man would be. And it's so weird. Like, it is so early 2000s what Macho Man would be. And it's in 1999, so he, so is he ahead of his time, or, or, or like I, I don't know. I'm conflicted about the, this part of Macho Man. Like, is this revolutionary? Is this him just trying to reinvent himself? Did it work? I don't know. It was definitely different. It's not what everybody thinks of him, but I think it's of the time. His in-ring style does change, but he's also bigger now. So, like, I guess that's helpful. He has a different look now. He's still Macho Man on the microphone. He still has that charisma. Also, too, like, not only is he walking down the ring with one woman, he's like, I need three women with me. <laughs> like, because I'm the Macho Man. Very over the top, but that's very of the time. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm torn. I would love to know what people's opinions uh, of it are. Maybe we can put that on our social media and be like, is this iteration of Macho Man underrated, overrated, or... Just 2003, we want to forget about it. Yeah, Macho had a new look. He also had his new valet and valets. The main one being Gorgeous George, the lady version. Stephanie Bellers, a.k.a. Gorgeous George, was a dancer from The Dollhouse. Somehow, every pro wrestling story boils down to The Dollhouse. Every pro wrestling love story boils down to The the Dollhouse. Stephanie and Randy started dating in real life, and she said that Macho Man loved ecstasy, which is the single funniest drug for Macho Man to like. Cocaine, redundant, he probably needs some weed, but ecstasy... 
It's not even about guys tonight, yeah! It's about going to the club with my girls, uh-huh! I like EDM, yeah. I just want to dance and rub my nipples. so you see that's where like you were you were trying to debate if this version of macho man like you you can't quite put your your thumb on that thing that makes a little off it's ecstasy (laughs) it is it's ecstasy it's ecstasy filled so at first macho was like way chiller with george he wasn't so prying and protective like he was with liz but i think somewhere he like caught feelings because that shit 180'd very hard Gorgeous George blamed it on his steroid use and, you know, the copious fucking amount of drugs, probably. But he had, like, hidden cameras in her house, just completely off the rails crazy. So, you know, not that's not great. Yeah. You know, maybe we even throw in some brain damage as well, too. Yeah. Years of taking bumps for years. And, I mean, probably not great jumping off the top rope. I mean, yeah, you're landing on your side and your elbow and your hip a little bit, but you are taking kind of a mini car crash when you jump off the top rope multiple times like that. So yeah, probably not great. It needs to be discussed. It's Macho Man's history and we're, we're discussing it. Not, not cool behavior. Not cool behavior. Wrestling-wise, Randy had drastically changed his style with the bad will. Add to that, he's coming back to 99 WCW. Not quite circling the drain, but the plug had been removed from the tub. And even the literal goat wasn't going to save WCW from The Rock and Austin and DX at this point. His first action back was to referee at Spring Stampede 99, which was won by DDP. So again, all up in DDP's history as well. April 26, 99 was Randy's first match back facing U.S. champion Scott Steiner, which starts with a Scott Steiner promo, always must watch TV. It's kind of a throwaway match with Charles Robinson, who's like Nitro GM or whatever the fuck, uh, gives Randy like a very quick DQ, but he gets fucked up by Medusa, who had officially joined the stable Macho Man was calling Team Madness. June 13th at Great American Bash, Macho Man faced Kevin Nash for the world title. Just over a seven-minute main event for the title, uh, Nash is selling his ribs the whole time because uh, his limo was hit by a car on Nitro. Very slow, methodical match. Like, here you can really feel that style change. Chaotic ending with the Batness ladies, but the DQ happens when Psycho Sid runs in and kicks Nash in the head. Boy, this just sounds not good. <laughs> it's, 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 it gets rough. Late stage WCW is a whole thing. Let's just celebrate the fact that Molly Holly has a job at this moment in time. Yeah. So let, let's, just, let, let's just celebrate that, that there was some good that came from this. So all this led to this tag team match at 99 Smash at the Beach. It's Nash and Sting against Savage and Sid, but whoever gets the pinfall wins the title. This is how Savage would win his final World Heavyweight Championship as he pinned Nash after a Gorgeous George low blow, a Sid slam, and a flying elbow. Randy's title run, this one also did not last very long because the next night on Nitro, he faced Hulk Hogan. Rutrow, he lost after some Nash interference. Following this, Team Madness kind of broke up, and Savage started a feud with Dennis Rodman, defeating him at Road Wild August 14th. It's a fun match because it's Macho Man and, and Dennis Rodman. It's like not a technical masterpiece, but it's it's dumb fun. Yeah, it probably like 97, 96 Macho Man would have been probably the better man to to make this work. 
99 Macho Man weren't going to make this work. And Dennis Rodman at any moment in time wasn't going to make this work. So, <laughs> Following this, Macho Man disappeared from WCW programming. And he would have two more appearances. First, on October 25th, episode of Nitro. This is him in the shiny red suit. Cutting a probo with Gorgeous George, apparently, on ecstasy. Hell yeah. The way it's done. <laughs> <laughs> That's October 25th, 99. Fast forward all the way to May 3rd, 2000, on an episode of Thunder, when Macho Man made his last mainstream wrestling appearance. He returned to help the Millionaires Club, which sounds like a scammy TikTok trying to get you to buy their dropshipping course. Randy was part of a battle royal that night. And that's how the greatest wrestler of all time said goodbye. The very last image you'll see of Macho Man on mainstream pro wrestling was him giving a little fist bump to Hulk Hogan as Thunder went off air. Sounds about right for the time and the company and all the factors at play. I mean, especially the exploding vagina WCW logo. That is just <laughs> a huge C and a, and a W, which most of us just saw this new logo overnight and none of us realized, oh, that says WCW. I had no fucking idea. <laughs> like, and none of us knew knew that until like the 2020s hit. We we're like, oh, that was WCW. That was just a weird logo. I thought they drew, and they just put it on TV. We didn't care. We just wanted to see Sting. WCW is getting murdered at this point. They're attempting a youth movement, and they could never come to a a magic number as far as like renewing Randy. So that was that. And then, you know, less than a year later, they got bought on clearance by Vince McMahon. Randy and Liz had been separated, real-life divorce. They both had moved on. Liz had snuck in a quick marriage from uh, 97 to 99 before getting involved with Lex Luger on and off screen. Problem, though, Lex was in a bad place in life. He was severely addicted and abusing painkillers, booze, and Liz got sucked into this. Lex talks very openly about this and has in different phases of his life. And, you know, Lex, when he first got together with Liz, like he, you know, he was a friend of Savage. Well, also too, like Lex was like married and now he's going to have this extramarital affair with Liz. And, but then he knew how Macho and Liz were, but then he's like, well, Macho's kind of run around with this new girl and he probably wouldn't mind if me and Liz got together, but, you know, my wife will, but fuck that. That's a consequence for another time. <laughs> and yeah, uh, it was it was real bad. I, I remember hearing stories of Lex's son was actually this really highly touted high school basketball player. And, you know, they would bring like, son of Lex Luger. And of course, he would get mad, like, don't bring on my father. Like, Lex was in a real bad way. And I think Lex always recognizes that the way and the life that he has now and the troubles and issues that he has are because, you know what? I was the best person, and this is what happens to bad people. So I'm going to take that like a man, and I recognize that what happened was fucked up. And everything with Liz, like, you know, people, it's it's lazy and easy to say, like, oh, Lex Luger murdered Liz. Well, I don't, I don't think Liz was... As innocent in all this as as most people like to think, I think she got caught up in it, like a lot of people do when you when you're with somebody that's going through this. I mean, there's relationships I've had that could have ended with us just sitting on the couch drinking ourselves to death for the rest of our lives, but 
you know, one person pulls themselves out of it and then sees the other person still doing the same. It's, it, it's tough to watch, but some people don't pull out and sometimes addiction, you know, you, you, you meet somebody at a bar and you drink and have a good time. Well, then that's what your whole relationship is about is just drinking, have a good time, but then you don't have an authentic moment. You don't have an actual memory. And then when you are sober, you're like, mm, I don't know if I like this person. Why don't we start drinking again or start doing drugs or whatever? And then, you circle back into that, like, oh, yeah, this relationship is fun. And you just kind of circle that way until something bad happens. Lex seems like a repentant person. He seems, like, genuinely changed and sorry. I think I've met him a couple times. He's just a nice dude. But, yeah, it came, all this came at a very uh, dark cost. Not much longer after Randy's final appearance, Elizabeth had her own final WCW appearance May 29th, 2000 on a Nitro and quietly left. She just let her contract run out of dates. However, Liz and Luger stayed together as a couple in real life after leaving WCW. She worked at Lex's gym in Marietta, Georgia called Main Event Fitness. And while the drug use was a red flag, there would also be some domestic violence with Luger hitting Liz. Luger was arrested for a DUI after rear-ending a car with Liz in the passenger seat. You just wish she would have taken any of those chances as like a wake-up call, but the worst was yet to come. And she was, she was always still a sweet person. Actually, during this exact time that we're talking about, she befriended Daphne. And Daphne used to tell me so many stories about Liz working out at the gym, because Daphne ended up working out at Luger's Main Event Fitness, and she would work out with Liz, and as soon as they were done working out, Liz would take her into the office and be like, you want a Miller Lite? And Daphne's like, I just worked out. And Liz <laughs> would be like, oh, this is the best time to have a Miller Lite. So you just got done working out. <laughs> so, um, and they would just talk and gossip and all, all kinds of things. So, like, she was still a sweet person to the end, but clearly... Needed help, but probably having a Miller Lite immediately after have a workout is probably a a red flag uh, cry for help, and that's somebody that needs help. May first, two thousand three, in Marietta, Georgia, Luger called nine one one to report that Miss Elizabeth was not breathing. Lex and Liz had been drinking, taking pills, and that's not great. But it didn't seem to be like any more than it usually was. However, this led to an accidental overdose. Even though the paramedics got there quick and rushed her to Wellstar Kennestone Hospital ER, she was pronounced dead at the age of 42. Obviously, she is a massive part of the Macho Man story. She's a legend in her own right. At this point, they had been divorced for over a decade. But still, this had to have some really negative effects on Randy, especially since they seem to have uh, remained friends throughout the 90s after the divorce. And, like, I remember seeing an interview where he was promoting his rap album and somebody, like, y'all gotta ask about it. What are your thoughts on Miss Elizabeth? And she just died, like, like weeks prior. And it's like, here he is doing an interview for some musical channel or some late night music thing. I just remember Randy answering with such class. And be like, oh, you know, we ran, ran the roads together a lot in the 80s and like really talked about her as not even really his wife. So it was almost made it kind of weird. But he talked to her as like a partner through everything. 
in this moment where somebody just kind of dropped this bombshell of a question on him, he was able to convey like he misses her and also gave her the respect in how he viewed her as an integral part to his success and the overall package of what people know the Macho Man to be. It just just the way that he described her and talked about like she was there from you know the very beginning and she was very important. Like he, he it was just odd that he didn't say like how much he loved her, but of course that he probably would have broke down. But he described her as an equal partner in this thing that was created in the Macho Man. So I think he's always had great respect for her and and recognizes that without her there is no me. And she was. She was one of the most wonderful parts of this this package and this character that we created. She was a large part of that creation. After leaving WCW, several promotions and wrestling tours tried to court Randy, including WWA, which Randy worked for as a creative, but in every case, money was an issue. Randy was very good with his money, and he had earned a lot during his career, and he was not going to budge on his worth. A lot of these promotions at this time were like paying undercart guys a couple hundred bucks and main eventers maybe like a grand. And I know to, as, as stand-ups, we're like, oh my God, wow. But to people who have like a decade of TV credits, uh, they're low-balling them. And here's Macho who's like, I need 100K just to get out of bed in the morning. The best way to put it is like Brad Garrett coming off of Everybody Loves Raymond getting 200 bucks a show. Like, yeah. that, that'd be the way to put it. That's why when someone like, the Nasty Boys or other WCW like mid-carters or 80s guys were, were getting pennies on the dollars. And that's because there was no other place to work. There was no other major yep. promotion. So when everybody on Twitter is like, I wish AEW would just go away or they're just like who, people that will revel and laugh when AEW closes. Go ahead and, and lament on that and laugh about that and hope for that, motherfuckers, because wrestling will get fucking terrible again. Uh, when there's only WWE in town. Fucking trust me. I fucking live through it. You know how bad fucking wrestling was in 2009? Uh It was fucking terrible. You know how bad it was in 2004? Mm -hmm. Fucking terrible. It's even worse in 2003. So go fuck off all the fucking way. 2002, TNA was founded by Jeff Jarrett, and they almost immediately started recruiting Randy, but Randy was more focused at the time on a possible WWE comeback. He wanted to be part of WrestleMania 20. We know that never happened. So with nothing really working out, Randy would finally join TNA November 7, 2004 at Victory Road to confront Double J. Wait a minute, I thought you said that Randy's last televised wrestling thing was in wcw what do you mean like (laughs) you are not counting tna as a viable option of television wrestling nicholas at this point absolutely not today sure 2008 sure but at this point they were like a baby when you Uh, and i said mainstream mainstream tna is niche well, first of all, put some respect on Spike TV's name. Second of all, <laughs> I actually they were probably on like that, like FSN at the time. Yeah, yeah, the TSN. F- yeah. yeah, fuck all the way yeah. off. Like, yeah, I think it was TSN or something like that, or, or Midwest Sports Network or mm-hmm. something like that along the lines. Put some respect on them. But one thing you do not need to respect. No, TNA at the time they had fucking Jeff Hardy on his second or third fuck up, many fuck ups ago, and he was coming out to his own, the theme that he sang 
from his band Peroxy Y Gen or however the fuck Peroxygen. I don't I don't know what the fucking band name is. And go through in your CD cabinet and find it. Oh, Tyler. my CD cabinet. Yeah, let me transport myself twenty years ago, and I'll go check it out. Uh, but <laughs> watching some of these clips on YouTube makes me proud of myself for watching what I did when I did. Uh, you saying that you went back and watched it on YouTube makes it hilarious because I watched this Victory Road pay per view live on pay per view. <laughs> I remember watching this live. I remember him coming out after the match. One of the guys that helped train me in the very beginning, the alpha male Guy Smith. I'll never forget him sitting in his chair, watching it and hearing, ooh, yeah, play, and Macho Man come out, and him just going, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and then him being in disbelief until after the pay-per-view had ended. Like It's a black screen on the television. And that says, oh, if you would like to order TNA, pay-per-view, Victory Road, it's still running. And like the next showing's in a half an hour. He was still sitting in the chair going, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> what? Like, not even like excited. Just like, what acid dream did I just watch? I just watched Jeff Jarrett versus Jeff Hardy and Macho Man came in. <laughs> what is this? From the jump, there were some issues. Uh, at that first show, Hulk Hogan was apparently backstage. They didn't tell Randy this. Uh, I think they were beefing over like the radio or something dumb at this point. Made Macho Man pretty mad. Randy made his Impact debut November 19th, 04, confronting the Kings of Wrestling, a stable. It's Jarrett, Nash, and Hall. And then uh, at the end of the next week's show, he led an attack on them. Then December 5th, turning point, Randy had his last match ever when he, Jeff Hardy, and AJ Styles beat Hall, Nash, and Jarrett. The holy trinity of high flyers, friends. <laughs> the holy trinity. It really, it is. <laughs> it is for Nick Alexander. <laughs> Father, the son, and the holy spirit. <laughs> Who doesn't believe that the world is round. So... <laughs> And if everyone had been in their prime, it would have been a different feeling than what it was. Macho is like barely in this match. She kind of like comes down late, throws some punches. I mean, it happened. It ended weird. <laughs> Days later, Macho left TNA for, you know, many reasons. But the main one being that Randy felt like he couldn't be Macho Man anymore. He didn't want to cheat fans. He didn't want to cheat himself. By being just a shell of what he was, he's 52 at this point. He had a blown out knee. He hadn't been working on a regular basis. And I, I think we all wish, I'm sure he wished, that he had this one last big run, big moment in the spotlight before stepping away. But Randy knew when to call it, and I think there's something very respectable about that. Well, Nicholas, we've gotten to this point, and I, I feel like we're going to turn into something else but i can't believe we haven't brought up so we've been going in chronological order not to bring up the greatest piece of audio <laughs> recorded content of all time you can take all the podcasts in the world you can take a good portion of some musical genres and they won't even come close to the macho man rap album to which he wrote and performed a diss track on Hulk Hogan that says, be a man, Hulk, be a man. Play it on all of the Florida radio stations. So Hulk is driving his fucking Hummer, and he's listening to his so-called friend tell him to be a man. And then Hulk decides, 
you know what? This Bubba the Love Sponge guy, he wants to be my friend. He's got a radio show. How about I go on that and blast it? And Bubba's like, Hell yeah! You talk shit about Macho Man. Yeah, how big is Macho Man dick? Oh, oh hey, look at that fart. It's <laughs> Fart Man. He's in the studio today. We're doing award-winning radio right now. Tell us more. Hulk about how shitty Macho Man is. Oh, hey, you want to fuck my wife? How about that? Fartman knows. Why do you fuck Fartman's wife? I'll videotape it. I don't give a shit. I have weird sexual proclivities. Hulk, tell me more about how Macho Man's a scumbag. And you wonder why the two hated each other. So you're saying, as a direct result of Macho Man Randy Savage producing a rap album, that is why Hulk Hogan said the N-word on video. Well, I mean, it's like a sex tape where he said the N-word on video. Yes. yes, that is exactly what the fuck I'm Damn. saying. We have to understand the butterfly effect of this rap album. <laughs> and then you know what? Here's the thing. If you were to tell Macho Man that your rap album will eventually lead to Hulk Hogan being exposed by saying the N-word on a sex tape and it will ruin his career or cause irreparable damage to it, Macho Man's like, sign me up. Well, I think it's more fair that you should tell Macho Man this is going to become a little bothersome for Hulk for a couple of years, and then he's going to win a huge lawsuit and then go back to where he was. As long as the kids don't look up to him. Do they get to see his little dick on camera yet? Just pounding away like a big fat pig that he is. Stuffed pig, yeah. Have you guys listened to this all the way through? I remember. No. <laughs> yes, uh, really? I have. I have. I have done a podcast on this particular album. I don't remember what particular podcast, but me and Zane list- had to listen to this album for a podcast and discuss it. I have it on my iTunes and my phone. If I put my songs on shuffle every once in a while <laughs> while I'm driving, a Macho Man rap album song will appear. I popped through a couple. I know um, Be a Man Hulk. I know that one. You didn't listen to the like, Perfect Friend, which is about his friend, Kurt Hennig? <laughs> no. No, I didn't listen to that one. That's, that's, that's a good one. It's an emotional one. It'll, it'll, it'll tug on your heartstrings. Be a Man, is, it pops up on my playlist from time to time. It's in the rotation. I, I thought this was going to be a fucking dumpster fire. And there's, part, there's some parts that are like bad, but it is shockingly okay. <laughs> like Be a Man is like a legit song. Uh, I'm Back, I think is what it's called. That's, that's pretty oh, yeah. solid. I like that one too. Yeah, that one's a good one. Yeah. If you know how to talk with a rhythm a little bit, like you can fake like you're rapping. The Russell Rock Rumble, like if Vern Gandhi could come close to spitting bars, I feel like Macho Man could get it done. I mean, and is not is Macho Man not a, like the persona? That's a very rappy like persona. Like give him like a couple tattoos and a, and a chain, and Macho Man Randy Savage is just a rapper. Fuck wrestling, dude. He was dressed by a pimp wardrobe man he got into many of altercations at a waffle house that gives him enough street cred already yeah yeah, motherfuckers had a a gun in his glove compartment for fucking 30 years now goddamn bill dundee pulled a gun on me (laughs) (laughs) 
it had some good moments to it. You guys definitely enjoyed it, but like, man, you can look back and, and hindsight's twenty twenty, and you're like, hell yes, he was on drugs, because <laughs> that's what it takes most of the time for a white dude to be like, I need to rap right now. <laughs> I mean. Like Paris Hilton got that DJ career. I don't tell me she wasn't taking a shitload of ecstasy and be like, I want to get into music. Like, I feel like that's that's how those points connect. So what we're saying is ecstasy is the reason why Hulk Hogan's career is irreparably damaged for the forever. That is the drug that caused all of this. While we're on the topic, let's get into more Randy the Entertainer. You know, he had been dipping into Hollywood, usually like playing some version of the Macho Man, which is, you know, why not? Macho Man's awesome. TV wise, Randy was on Baywatch, Jake, Dexter's Laboratory, The Weird Al Show, which I love that clip, Walker, Texas Ranger, King of the Hill, just to name a few. He did talk shows like Arsenio Hall, Regis. Movie wise, Ready to Rumble. Of course, O2's Spider Man, Glago's Guest, which I'm not familiar with, Bolt. And Super Rhino. That Weird Owl appearance, somebody put that on Twitter, and it was fucking amazing. I yeah. highly recommend everybody go out and find that wherever they can. Dexter's Laboratory is a fun appearance. I'm a big fan of the King of the Hill one. It's uh, that That's a solid episode where Bill starts to get buff, and uh, Macho yeah. Man plays one of the gym rats that comes in, and Bill like fucks his back up trying to do like a leg press or something. And Macho Man comes in. He's like, you got to push through it. He's like flexing <laughs> the whole time. And I love every Arsenio Hall appearance he ever yeah. did. Anytime Macho Man was on Arsenio Hall, it was, always, <laughs> it was interesting. I think Arsenio got it, but I also think he didn't get it enough on the right levels. <laughs> Ooh, uh, this will piss Jake off. I had started watching wrestling in 2003. And that meant that my only Macho Man Randy Savage match oh, I Jesus ever saw Christ. was the Spider-Man <laughs> match. What the fuck? <laughs> this is the last episode of the season. This may be the last episode of the podcast. So, oh, Tyler, where are you currently living these days? Morrisville, North Carolina. Morrisville, North Carolina. Let me see how far that is away from me. Oh, where, where are you? Are you in... Greenville? I'm in Greenville. I'm in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm coming to you tomorrow. I'll be down there. Oh, you're coming. Yeah, I'll be there for a show, so you can uh, come kick my ass you're there. You're, you're, co- oh, I will find you. <laughs> what, what piece of shit fucking VFW hall are you doing comedy oh, boy. tomorrow? I don't know. The guy that I'm doing the show with, I'm giving him a ride down there. Haven't met him yet, so uh, I could oh, be boy. murdered on the way down there. So you could you could take some work off of your plate. You 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 tell me, and I will fucking murder you for saying such a, a, a fucking terrible thing in my presence. That the only <laughs> match that you ever saw of Macho Man Randy Savage is the match that he had in Spider Man. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I mean, and I've since That's watched so other ones, but yeah, at the time okay. when I was in third grade, that was the only one. Fucking. So you saw me. like WrestleMania five, and you were like, "Holy shit, the guy from Spider Man!" <laughs> <laughs> no, I said, "Oh my god, who are these old fucks?" <laughs> where's my tna wrestling where's my samoa joe i'd like to see a match between aj styles and this bad news alan <laughs> <laughs> so with wrestling done his rap career on the back burner just dipping into hollywood stuff here and there randy kind of wound down he stepped out of the spotlight again very good with his money so he didn't have to do anything if he didn't want to 
he got super involved in charity work, especially with the Special Olympics. He worked on his house. He played with his pets. He took his parents to their doctor's appointments. Like, he was just like a real human being for the first time since high school. May 10th, 2010, Savage married Barbara Lynn Payne. If you remember her from episode one, he had previously dated her back in the 70s, which is just a crazy circle. Yeah, guys, Um, remember that a month ago when Nick was like, (laughs) oh, he was with this one girl. It didn't work out. But we'll get back to that later. You got back to it a month later. And then when you said it, you just kind of read it as you're reading off a script. It was big reveal, ladies and gentlemen, that little chestnut we dropped in episode one has finally come to fruition a month later. Oh, isn't that nice? Anyway, what's up next? (laughs) (laughs) But a year and 10 days after their wedding, we'd sadly lose the great macho man, Randy Savage. Early morning, May 20th, 2011, Macho said to his wife that he didn't feel well. Lynn thought he just needed to eat something, so they went down to Perkins Family Restaurant for breakfast. Around 9.25 a.m., they were uh, driving, passing through a traffic light, when Randy suffered a heart attack and lost consciousness. The Jeep they were driving jumped the concrete median into oncoming traffic, Lynn got her hands on the wheel and kind of guided the Jeep into a tree across from a uh, Publix. If she didn't do that, this is a way worse story. Uh, I mean, it's awful either way, but the impact was so light that like the airbags didn't even deploy when they hit the tree. So Lynn had like very minor injuries, but tragically, Randy Poffo, the macho man, Randy Savage, was pronounced dead at Largo Medical Center at just 58. I remember exactly where I was when Macho Man died. I was at a Cheddar's in Asheville, North Carolina with uh, the girl I was dating at the time. And I hadn't quite let the wrestling thing out of the bag yet. This isn't 2024 where everything's all progressive. You still have to feel shame about pro wrestling back then. So she's like on her phone. She goes, oh, wow, Macho Man died. And having to get through a mill at a shitty chain restaurant without scream crying in public is literally the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. He's on a date in a Cheddar's. This girl he's dating drops this information. He starts bawling. Why didn't it work out? (laughs) (laughs) Not only that, somebody died who was very important to Nicholas and she just goes, oh, this fucking old wrestler died. Oh, well, <laughs> throw it over my shoulder. <laughs> Next thing on my timeline. <laughs> yeah, that's, there's only a couple. Macho Man, Michael Jackson. I remember where I was when he died. And then like fucking 9-11. That's like all I remember. Uh, actually, for, for me, I know where I was when I heard Robin Williams died. I was in a comedy club waiting to see Kyle Kinane do, oh, do his hour literally days before he's, he taped it. All right, so in 2015, Randy was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, albeit way too late. Macho was inducted by Hogan. It was accepted by Lanny. Liz gets a little love in the video package, but her family doesn't want her inducted. Uh, they want, like, nothing to do with pro wrestling. And, you know, Vince has a laundry list of crimes against humanity, and excluding the felonies... Taking away Macho Man getting inducted into the Hall of Fame from Randy and from fans while he was still alive is some of the worst shit he ever did. Not being able to get over whatever shit he had with with Randy. Like that, as, as we discussed in, in, in great detail, that 
it, it probably had more to do with he got his feelings hurt and Vince McMahon doesn't know how to process that. And then it was a detriment to the wrestling community. Yeah. Like, I get you're, you're a person and you have feelings, but you're also a goddamn billionaire. Like, so I, I, sorry if my empathy for your feelings is very minimal. The accurate and the good business thing to do is to give Randy his moment in the sun while he's alive. I am extremely big about that and letting people know how I feel about them while they're alive. That's why when funerals happen, I, I don't go to them for, for a lot of reasons, but I, I also don't go to them because it's like they're dead. That person that's dead, I, I told them how I felt about them while they were alive. They're dead now. I can't do anything for them right now. The funeral's about and you. Every, yes, everybody makes the funeral about them. The funeral's not about my friend who's dead. That's the person who I care about the most right now in this moment. And I was lucky enough to tell him every day um, that I care about him, much like, you know, my grandparents, my loved ones, all the people like that. I, I've made it very clear. This is how I felt about you. And I spent every day and how I treated you, acted towards you, talked to you. You knew how I felt about you. Now that you're dead, there's nothing I can do here. Absolutely. The only time I would ever go to a funeral is if somebody was having a hard time dealing with it and I have to be there for that person. But I, I'm very big about that. And, I, and I'm also very big about accomplishments happening and awards and flowers being given to people while they were still alive. I hate it when people get towards the end of their life and they're like, oh, you know, like... And then when they die, everybody makes a big deal about how wonderful and much of a genius they are. I'm like, it's like, I wish you would have told him that while he was alive. Like, that's why, like, I think it was very, very cool that they, the NFL Network did this amazing documentary about John Madden. And parts of the documentary were them showing clips of people talking about John Madden to John Madden. And that was a part of the documentary. I'm like, that is, that is beautiful. Like, that was a part of actually what the documentary was about. And I wish everybody could get that experience because John Madden passed away a few months after that. So I feel that everybody deserves that, and someone like Macho Man deserves something like that. All right. Final thoughts on the great Macho Man Randy Savage. Macho Man was a very important part of a lot of people's childhoods. You can see it still when i talk about liking pro wrestling people come up to me and they're like oh man they they name like one of three people it's like stone cold rick flair or macho man and the joy that macho man brought a lot of people i don't think could be could be undersold i don't feel like he was ever given the proper respect in wwe to do what he wanted to do wcw was a goddamn mess that that's just how wcw was and he did what he could while he was there, but I think, sadly, a lot of Randy's demons, like, it's wrestling. Wrestling bit him and got the worst parts of it into his system, and the drug use and the um, some of the more toxic parts of his life were kind of exacerbated by being in the terrible environment that was wrestling from the 80s to the 90s to the 2000s, and it took a toll on his body it's great that he was able to separate himself from it and he was making a great name for himself in hollywood and um, was enjoying some of his life before he died again way too young like everybody else and 
I hope we were able to remind some people through these last four episodes of some joy that Macho Man brought them at some time or another. There are just a handful of people that become bigger than the sport they were a part of or like the thing they did, like a Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods. But Randy is for sure that for wrestling. He is he's towers above the industry. There's like no point in my life where Macho Man hasn't been part of the zeitgeist. Like even a decade after his death, he's still at the top. He's still a cultural icon. He's still referenced in rap songs. You see his t-shirts in public anywhere you go. He is a goddamn Skyrim mod where the dragons fly around and go, oh yeah. It breaks my heart that he's not here on social media, popping up on Raws or Dynamites. He wasn't there for his Hall of Fame. That's bullshit. And he's just, he, he's not here just enjoying what his legacy is because I think that was very important to him. And as much as I wish he was here, Randy never got to tarnish his legacy in or out of the ring like Hogan and Flair. And I'm not saying he for sure would have or he started retweeting QAnon bullshit or had nine felt comebacks or punched a baby. But I never have to live with the fact that he did. Like, do you know how heartbreaking it is that Hulk Hogan isn't cool anymore? He was like the main character in three generations of children's lives. I think we could have overlooked the backstage politic bullshit if it wasn't for, you know, the sex tape, the N-word, and just the fucking lying about everything. And now Hulk Hogan is, he's not much more than a punchline. And then ignore the sexual misconduct from Flair, which I know is asking a lot. He ran his legacy into the ground by refusing to leave the ring until it became sad. There are horror stories around Charlotte, North Carolina, of how he treated restaurant employees. And while in all fairness, the date is a little later for entertainers, he just won't understand that at some point in everyone's life, there comes a time when acting 22 years old becomes pathetic. And now Ric Flair is a punchline. Macho Man is preserved perfectly in his greatness. He is the patron saint of pro wrestling. There will never be another person that checks all the boxes Randy Savage did. He is the absolute greatest of all time. You know, I wasn't exactly sure what to say about this because we've spent four, four parts now discussing how great and awesome he is. But you just brought up an excellent point, Nick. And, and I got to say, if Macho Man was around, he wouldn't let us down in who he was as a person. And, and here's why I feel confident in that. One, he was unselfish. You know, whether it's, hey, DDP's got something going on, I'm going to help him out. Whether it's like, hey, Crush seems like a good dude. I want to help him out. This guy, Shawn Michaels, I want to give him an opportunity. Hey, make sure you take care of my brother. Take care of my family. There's a lot of speculation that, you know, they wanted to induct him in the Hall of Fame, but he's like, no, you induct my entire family. That whole unselfishness. Even the, the whole, we didn't even get into it. Jay Lethal, the black machismo character. Somehow, Jay Lethal was able to get in contact with Macho Man and... Macho Man like gave him his blessing to do the whole Macho Man stick. and basically said there's more than enough Macho Man to go around. You go make your money. Unselfish. This guy is basically just doing his character on television. He's like, go ahead, make your money. I got mine. I don't, I don't need that. You know, unselfish. Also, too, great with kids. 
Anytime you hear a story about Macho Man talking to a kid, it's always the most wholesome image you've ever heard before in your entire life, asking a kid if he's doing his homework and listening to his parents. That's a sign of a good person. Also, he was great with, with animals. There's that picture that pops up on Twitter every once in a while of Macho Man rescuing a cat. And, like, the urban legend goes that he called it Junkyard Kitty after Junkyard Dog. I don't know if that's real or not, but somehow that feels like something Macho Man Randy Savage would do in his later years. And that's another thing, too. He didn't need to be the center of attention. He didn't need to go on Bubba the Love Sponge to go talk about wrestling. He went out and lived his life after wrestling. He didn't want to cheat the fans and, you know, have a subpar match. He wanted to preserve who he was. He was cognizant of his legacy, but at the same time, too, he wasn't consumed by it. It didn't rule his life. It wasn't what he thought of. He thought of just regular shit. He's like, I want to go to Perkins and then go to Publix and just drive around Tampa with, with my love of my life right now. Lived a very simple life. I've always looked up to Macho Man, not so much of what he did in the ring, but the way that he was able to get out of wrestling and live a normal life. That, to me, is what I aspire to be like, is being able to make my money in wrestling and then be able to get out and then enjoy my life with the woman I love. That's my hope. Macho Man was able to do it. It was a very tough road and it was very hard, but he got there. And, you know, the time that he got, man, I wish he would have got more. But I know he enjoyed and took advantage of every moment he had, much like he did in his wrestling career. All right, that is Macho Man's 10 Bell Pod. Crazy to fucking say that. That is a wrap on season four. And let's briefly talk about next season. It is going to be a pivotal season as far as our future and continuing to do this. You know, our numbers are good. Our listens are good. Our downloads are good. We have a super solid core of listeners and awesome people we interact with on a regular basis. But there are some goals we really need to get to next season. And we are going to throw some Hail Marys at you. Like every episode is going to be someone who should close out a season. So, you know, if we're going out, we're going out swinging. And that's the thing too, Nicholas, and I'm glad you brought this up. I was going to bring this up if you were going to bring it up. But yes, we love doing the little niche episodes. We love Hacksaw Bush Reads. We love the Chris Candido episodes. We love the Lou the Vig Borgas of the world, <laughs> like the weird episodes where we could just talk about somebody for an hour and laugh about them being terrible human beings or great human beings or misunderstood or underrated. We like that, but for whatever reason, the more popular wrestlers get the, the more listens, and we have a lot of goals, and we want to hit them, so we're going we're gonna to go out swinging, and we're going to do our absolute best work. We're going to be covering people, as Nick said, who could close the season, but we're going to hit some very big names all right in a row next season, hopefully get those numbers to a place that we can continue to do this, because if, if it doesn't, then we need to reevaluate and reassess what we're doing with our time. But this is where we're asking just a little bit from you. This is where the reviews, this is where word of mouth comes in. We have a little bit of time before we start the next season. Now would be a great time to go tell, tell people about what we got going on over here. Now would be a good time to share this season. I think, and I, I think Nick and Tyler can both agree with this. I think this is definitely, this season has been really good, packed with jokes, some really great stories. I've said some stuff that could get me fired if I worked for any different company. 
but I work at AEW, so it's buck wild over there. So I'm allowed to say what I want, apparently. So it's just been a really good season. And, you know, share it. Let people know what we got going on. And if they become fans, we get our listens up. We get our downloads up. We get our streams up. Whatever it is. And then it gets into a point that we feel confident that we can continue on and do something with this. But we need your help. You guys have done a tremendous job. And we thank you so much. And we can't thank you guys enough. But just, just a little bit of tell your mother, tell your brother, tell your friend, tell your coworkers, tell whoever about 10 Bell Pot. Anybody that likes wrestling. And hopefully they like us because we're wrestling fans too. And they like what we're doing over here. And that's all we can ask is just tell somebody about us. Share it. Retweet it. Whatever you need to do. Leave a review. It's much appreciated. What Jake is saying basically is we need the listens up so high he gets fired. <laughs> yes. I, I, need, I need to get to a point that so it gets very scary and I say the wrong thing and then all of a sudden like PR and HR have to have a conversation with me. We just hired a new HR lady. I don't know how she feels about this podcast. I gave her a hoodie. I guess we're cool now. So we'll see. I would like to get fired so that way I can start living my best macho man post-wrestling life. Aside from that, same old shit. Let's fuck up that algorithm on social media. Check out the shirt if you would like a shirt. Pro Wrestling Tees. Patreon. Uh, be a supporter. Jake, Tyler, anything to end the season? Yeah, uh, if while there's an off-season, we're probably going to find some time to do some Patreon stuff. So if you guys have some you know, wants out of that, let us know. If you want more Drunk Pro Wrestling history or some more like show and tell, just let us know. And uh, Jake, what you got? Yeah, I definitely want to do some more Drunk Histories. I also have another Patreon episode type that we'll probably do at some point in time. I think it's going to be a fun one. Maybe I'll bring my Zoom recorder and me and Nick will record a few things when I'm Go out and see him in wonderful Burbank, California when I wrestle for Wrestling Pro Wrestling on February 9th, (laughs) which if you're listening to this podcast six months from now because somebody recommended this podcast to you and I'm plugging a show from February 9th, disregard that. Just know we're cool. Um, But but no, continue to support the pod as as I just laid out and continue to support AEW because I still haven't made enough money that I can live my best macho man post-wrestling life yet. All right, until next season, get the fuck off the internet and go enjoy wrestling.